You're tuned in to 90.7 FM KALX Berkeley. My name is Tesla Munson, and this is The Graduates, the interview talk show where I speak with UC Berkeley graduate students about their work here on campus and around the world. Today, I'm joined by Max Aronson, a Master's of Public Policy in the Goldman School of Public Policy here at UC Berkeley. Welcome, Max. Thank you so much, Tesla. Thanks for having me on the show. Of course. My pleasure. Uh, so you're my first public policy student, and that means that the first question I will ask you is what is public policy. You knew this one was coming. Of course. How lucky am I to be the first public policy student uh, that you've uh, interviewed? Yeah, what is public policy? That's that's a really tough question to answer. I think that myself and my other uh, public policy students that I'm in the program with grapple with that question pretty regularly. Uh, the way I like to think about it is we analyze problems at various scales, mostly social problems in a variety of different topics like education, energy, development, all sorts of things, and then try and break them down into manageable pieces, uh, formulate action items to solve them using different kinds of evidence, you know, quantitative or qualitative data, um, and then forming recommendations based on, the, on that analysis. That's kind of what public policy is in a nutshell. Uh, and then, you know, obviously at various different scales, either local, state, national, international, it kind of encompasses everything. And you told me before the interview that you have more of an international focus in your study of public policy. So what does that entail? Yeah, absolutely. So my focus is mostly on international development. Uh, I'm really interested in financial inclusion, financial literacy, particularly in developing nations. I'm also very interested in development technology and how the intersection between technology and economic development has come together and be fostered increasingly as we continuing kind of international development efforts. Uh, I'm also very interested in social impact investment. So I've gotten more involved um, in some classes, for example, the Haas School of Business and the Center for Social Sector Leadership. Uh, I think that the traditional silos that existed between the public sector, the private sector, the nonprofit sector don't really exist as much as they used to. And I'm really interested in how the three can play together to catalyze international development in that sense. So do you have a specific part of the world that you're focused on? I don't have a very specific regional focus. I've done some research work in Africa. I've done some work in Asia. Um, I'm hoping to do some work in South America. Uh, so no real specific regional focus. But I think that in terms of a topic focus, either like development technology or financial inclusion is mostly what I focus on. Yet I'm pretty, I'm pretty broad-based. I like to kind of get involved in that kinds of things. So when you say that you have focused on Asia or Africa, for example, does that mean that you actually go to that place or how do you do that sort of research? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do I have actually been to both those. So uh, this past summer, I did a USAID research fellowship called the Global Development Fellowship um, in South Africa, working for an education technology company. Basically, what they do is um, they promote a mobile web application or a couple different applications actually as an intervention to solve what is a relatively defunct public school system and to propagate increased education and learning behavior, particularly among low-income populations. So that was in South Africa. Uh, and in the past, I've done some work, for example, with the Grameen Bank, which is one of the founding members of the kind of microfinance revolution, if you will, in Bangladesh, in Dhaka, Bangladesh. And I did some research work in a surrounding region of Dhaka, uh, looking at their loan and savings products, um, doing some ethnography, for example, and then proposing uh, recommendations to directors of Grameen Bank about how they can improve their internal operations. Okay, so when you say research, can you break it down a little bit more for us just so we get a sense of like what your day-to-day -day activities are? So you go to Bangladesh, for example, and then 
what exactly do you do while you're there? So that was a little bit of a like specific example. This one was called like a professional traineeship with the Grameen Bank. So I put in an application said, you know, I would, before that I was working in finance. I just said, you know, I'd like to get more into international development and microfinance into like the development arm of that. Uh, when I was actually there, did lots of kind of first of all, just like a training of all their products, all their internal operations and things. And then I would go into the field, do lots of ethnographies, talk to various what they're called borrowers, people that have microfinance loans from the bank or have savings with the bank and saying, okay, how, what was your life like before? What? How did you get involved with the bank? How has it improved? How has your businesses improved? And then on that basis, kind of amalgamated all of that qualitative data and also some quantitative data, although that was relatively lacking. Um, and then looked at all of that and then proposed recommendations based on that analysis. So you also mentioned that, um, so the Goldman School of Public Policy is its own school, but you mentioned that you've worked with the Haas School of Business and uh, what are what are some other departments around campus that you guys are involved with? Yeah, so I don't think that you know it's necessarily that Goldman and Haas have like a, well, there's a lot of people at Goldman who do classes at Haas, for example. But um, what's great about the Master of Public Policy program is that in the first year it's relatively rigorous and the requirements are quite stringent. So there's like formulations in economics and quantitative methods and policy analysis, which forms a really good foundation for any kind of policy that somebody wants to go into. And then after that, in the second year, there's lots of opportunities to explore around campus in terms of electives. So for example, I, that's when I really wanted to get more involved with the Haas Center for Social Sector Leadership, because uh, they have some really interesting classes about measuring impact in the social sector, which is a notoriously difficult thing to do, and then doing more kind of client-based work, which you know we had some exposure to that at Goldman, but I wanted more exposure to that. So that's relatively flexible. I have some friends in the program who like to stay more at Goldman, some like to you know spread their wings around campus a little bit more. It's just really up to the individual. And you mentioned to me earlier that the way that you guys do it is it's a two-year program, and so the first year you do a group research project, and then you do an individual research project in your second. So can you tell us a little bit about that system and the projects you've been involved in? Yeah, absolutely. So for the first year, um, you do what's called an IPA, so an Introductory Policy Analysis Project. Um, And in that basis, you work in a team of people, um, and you all submit a preference to the kind of project that you want to be involved in. And the faculty members at the Goldman School source all the clients, source the scopes of work between them, and then you put in a preference, and then you get sourced onto a project, and you're put into a team. Uh, So in my case, I was doing a policy analysis for the United Nations, the United Nations Economic and Social Commission for Western Asia, Um, and we did a policy analysis about reintegration of foreign fighters in the Middle East. So a lot of people travel from their home nation to fight in a particular war, and then what is the process once that war is ended or once they lay down their arms of bringing them back to their home nations or a new settlement location and how they get reintegrated back into the economy, both from an economic and social perspective, because obviously that's a really difficult opportunity. A lot of them have very little education or have been in pretty severe war or have, you know, post-traumatic stress. So, you know, there's a multifaceted uh, kind of approach to that. So that's what we did last year. Uh, This year, I'll be doing what's called an APA, so the Advanced Policy Analysis. Um, And in this case, you work on an individual basis, and you source your own client. So from my side, I'm thinking about doing some kind of evaluation of development technology or an impact evaluation of a particular program of a development authority or development agency. And I'm currently looking at clients... uh, who may be interested in that kind of work, and then you source your own scope of work with them uh, and then go from there. And that's done from January to May, and that forms like your 
uh, almost your advanced thesis, if you will. Like that's kind of like your capstone to what would be in another policy school. And is this another project where you'll have to travel to uh, an international location in order to conduct your research? There's a possibility for that. Uh, people in the past, for example, who have worked for the Inter-American Development Bank, I had a friend who traveled to Peru to conduct some of her research. Uh, there are people that have to travel to Africa to do some of theirs. Uh, in the international sense, a lot of people who do domestic work, um, if they're focused on a particular area within the U.S., then they'll travel there. Uh, but that's not really a mandate. It just depends upon what you agree with your client and whether that's going to be a useful thing to do to conduct the policy analysis. So when you were first telling me about Goldman, you said that it's traditionally been known to have a domestic focus, but you're more interested in the international side of things. So how did you end up here at Berkeley then? Yeah, definitely. That's uh, something that was really kind of on my mind before coming into uh, coming into Berkeley. I think traditionally Goldman has been more domestic focused. I think the faculty have done really well um, at increasing uh, the international diversity and the international perspective of the school. I think also it will always be kind of that domestic powerhouse, but I think it's catering more for international folks. So just to throw that out there initially. Uh, but when I was first doing it, that was kind of something that was really in my head because I was thinking of some East Coast schools that had a really f- uh, strong focus on international policy. But I was like, okay, you know, Berkeley's great. I live in the Bay Area right now. So really just kind of weighing up those two options. I was put in touch with um, an individual who was really interested in uh, international policy um, and worked at the Blum Center, where I currently work, um, on the Big Ideas Competition. Uh, and she was telling me, you know, you know, I understand I had the same uh, initial reservations, but, you know, when you really reach out into the broader Berkeley campus, there's a huge number of opportunities within international policy, within international development, within foreign affairs, um, and then also the key skill set that you get from Goldman in terms of economics, in terms of quantitative methods and policy analysis is really applicable regardless of your policy interests. So just using that foundation and then augmenting it with that those opportunities on campus for more international work was something that I was I just thought okay you know what I think that's a really you know useful thing and I haven't really looked back since it's been a really good really good opportunity okay so you're already in the Bay Area are you from the Bay Area originally great question Tesla so yeah this is where (laughs) people really get a bit confused so yes originally I am from the Bay Area but uh, my family and I moved away to Europe for many many years so I spent the majority of my youth in the United Kingdom Uh, and then I went to undergrad went to college in London uh, worked in the city of London in finance for a few years and then after that I did a year of microfinance both in Bangladesh and then back here in the Bay Area with Kiva Uh, and then while I was working with Kiva is when I had got my acceptance from Berkeley and so I came out to Berkeley. I was like, okay, check it out. I was like, wow, this is really great. Uh, and then when I was making my decision process, I think I was definitely influenced by the fact that the quality of life in the Bay Area is really great. And also Berkeley just being a fantastic institution and more on a smaller scale. Goldman is just a real powerhouse in public policy. So all of those put together, that was the, the number one choice for me. What is Kiva? I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, of course. Uh, Kiva is the largest online microfinance provider uh, globally. So they took the learnings from really Grameen Bank and microfinance and like providing small loans to people who are otherwise financially excluded and unable to get credit access. And they put this online. So basically, someone like you or I can go on to Kiva and say, hey, you know, I want to give $25 to a farmer in Uganda or Turkmenistan or Peru. And you give, quote unquote, $25 through Kiva to that borrower. But the difference between Kiva and a normal charity model is that 
in 98, 99% of the time, all that money comes back to you. It's a loan. It's not a, it's not a donation. So what's really cool about it is that it's sustainable. It's you know almost kind of like a cyclical process where the money comes back to you, and then once you have that back, you loan it to someone else, and then you know it comes back, you loan it to someone else, and you know it just has that process. And so it utilizes the power of individuals and their altruistic nature, but also it propagates someone's business rather than just you know giving them a handout. So it sounds like your background is primarily in finance. Is that common for a lot of people in public policy? How did you get interested in what you're doing now? I think that it's not uncommon, but it's not necessarily common. I have some friends who worked in banking or in consulting before, but I think a lot of people also worked in think tanks um, in their home country governments or in state or local government, uh, to a lesser extent federal, because most federal positions, I think, are tend to be... Um, past graduate students. Uh, but from my side, I was looking at graduate degrees to go into and you know, I was thinking, okay, maybe MBA, maybe an MPP. I thought the MPP skill set is just so versatile that that was what was really attractive to me because I could see myself gravitating between a multilateral organization like the United Nations or the World Bank uh, and maybe into the federal government for a while, maybe back into the private sector, working as a non- into a nonprofit. And I think that the skill set that you get at an MPP allows you to do that best. I think, you know, there are other programs which do allow for that, but I think that that MPP skill set is the best in that sense. But it sounds like a lot of your work is focused on this idea of like social good. So where where did that interest come from? Interesting. I think that there's a couple of different things that kind of really got me involved in thinking about that. Between long time ago, maybe eight, nine years ago, uh, between high school and my undergraduate, it's quite common in the UK, you do a thing called a gap year where you take a year off. Some people just, you know, go travel around. Some people, you know, work to save up for college. What I did, I did one of the portions of it, I did an internship in India um, for a housing development company, which was interesting. It was good. But in tandem with that, I asked the company, you know, I'd really like to do some volunteer work at the time. And I did some volunteer teaching in a school for orphan children. And the principal of the school was basically providing a private level education for free for people that can't afford it. And I think that that experience for even just two months was really something that was like, wow, I really want to do something which has some level of social impact. And then I just kind of brought that forward throughout my undergraduate. I did mentoring. I did volunteering during that time. Um, And even while I was in traditional finance, investment banking, I always tried to make time to you know, be part of their CSR initiatives, CSR for anyone listening who doesn't know, corporate social responsibility, and just really be, you know, a mentor for for kids who don't have many opportunities to say, you know, if you work hard, this is where you could be, that kind of thing. And then I just really wanted to then make that more of the focus of my career path. I thought that, you know, the skill set that I had from finance was really great, and I'm really happy to have done it because I think it does level add a level of credibility to you, uh, and the skill set is great, but I really wanted to do something which really was more focused directly on social impact. If you're just tuning in, you are listening to The Graduates here on KLX Berkeley. My name is Tesla. Today I'm joined by Max, who's a master's student in the Goldman School of Public Policy here at Berkeley. He's been telling us about his work in public policy. But one of the things that brought you here today is your involvement in big ideas, right? So um, first of all, tell us what it is and then tell us how you got involved. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm guessing some people listening have probably seen me in a class announcement um, about big ideas. So I can kind of give you that uh, that spiel, if you will, that we usually do. Um, 
So basically, Big Ideas is a student innovation competition which provides funding, recognition, and support for undergraduate and graduate students. Big Ideas, Big Ideas to solve the world's most pressing social challenges. Big Ideas offers the ability to be funded for your social venture. So, past winners can win up to eighteen thousand dollars of a possible prize pool of three hundred thousand dollars, which is obviously fantastic. But there's so much more to the competition apart from that. Um, if you pass through the first stage of the competition, which is called the pre-proposal round, then you're paired directly um, with an industry expert for mentorship for a period of six to eight weeks, um, which, who will help you foster your social venture idea, think about all the kind of facets that you may have not thought about or need to flesh out in more detail. Uh, there's opportunities for really extensive feedback from esteemed panel of judges, so we recruit really great judges to judge all of the proposals in both rounds of the competition. Uh, and then there's really great um, events for skill building and networking throughout. Uh, and I think that you know that process that previous um, competitors have gone through, they they talk about like having an idea and then just making it into reality throughout the year of the competition, which is really inspiring and has really allowed them to go on either with their own idea or into another area of entrepreneurship or social impact that they thought maybe wasn't possible before. And that's what's really exciting to me, and that's why I really like being a part of it. So when did you start uh, being a part of Big Ideas? So originally I had applied for um, a research position, a GSR position, um, right before starting at Berkeley. Uh, and it was very competitive, so I didn't get it that time. But I said to myself, okay, you know, what could I do? I could go, you know, wallow and sit around or I could just, you know, try and be as close as possible to the competition and to the staff um, and be there. So I just said, you know, can I get feedback? Can I be a part of this? Can I just even do it on an informal basis. So I helped out on an informal basis in my first semester in fall 15, uh, and then got a part-time position, part-time being, you know, 25% time, 10 hours a week uh, for my spring, um, for the spring 16 uh, semester. Did some work with both big ideas and what's called the Development Impact Lab. That's another part of the Blum Center. So did kind of a dual role there. And then that was also kind of a natural transition onto a like a 50% 20-hour week position, uh, which I currently do for big ideas. So I'm a contest coordinator for big ideas doing a number of different opportunities, um, helping facilitate outreach, helping facilitate our practitioner and resident series where we have industry experts that come into the center. I do a lot of student advising. So um, competitors or prospective competitors come into the center and I have one-on-one meetings with them to talk about their ideas, talking about their writing proposals, talking about, you know, areas they're want to improve on in terms of team formation. So all kinds of things. And, you know, it's just a really fantastic thing to do. Really happy to be part of it. Okay. So I'm not familiar with the Blum Center. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, sure. So the Blum Center for Developing Economies is one of the kind of premier institutions on the Berkeley campus focused on international development. So there are three arms to the Blum Center, um, one being the Big Ideas Competition, one being the Development Impact Lab, which is currently sponsored by USAID, providing grants for uh, mostly graduate students to do research projects abroad, um, hosting conferences, um, having really great events, you know, which bring industry experts in all kinds of areas of international policy on to the campus. And then the largest undergraduate minor is also hosted at the Blum Center. It's called um, Global Poverty and Practice, or GPP. Um, so that's also formed out of the center. And that's, you know, we get several hundred students, undergraduate students, in through that minor. And I think a lot of people um, who have gone through it say they, it's been a really great thing. And how long has Big Ideas been running? Uh, so it's just been 10 years. So this will be the 11th year. So we had our 10-year anniversary at the end of last year, had a really big celebration accordingly. And now we're into our 11th year. And how many people submit uh, 
submit ideas to the competition each year. Yeah, of course. Uh, so last year it was around 260 teams, uh, and that was around eight to 900 students in total. So about 260. Yeah. 260. And they, you mentioned that they don't all have to all be from Berkeley. They can come from other UC campuses? Yeah, that's right. So there's you can compete in nine different categories in the competition. For example, uh, information technology for society, energy and resource alternatives, global health, and six other categories. So as a Cal Berkeley student, you can compete in any one of those categories. Uh, but then there are also all the UC system schools um, who can compete in the majority of those categories. And then we have a few other partner universities like Duke, MIT, Texas A&M, McCary University, and Kampala, Uganda, who are also part of the competition. Uh, But there's some restrictions in terms of the categories they can enter into. So if it's been around for now entering its 11th year, you must have a few examples of you know, ideas that have come out of big ideas. Can you tell us them? Yeah, of course. I think one of my favorite ideas uh, is called Back to the Roots. Uh, it was basically two students from, two undergraduate students from the Haas School of Business who were both like total high flyers. You know, they both said, you know, we had multiple offers from consultancies and investment banks, but just thought, you know, is this really what we want to do with our lives? Maybe they thought they were being kind of funneled into that pathway. Uh, and in a school class in a, in a class that they had, they it was about kind of an innovative food systems design. Um, so they found that they can grow mushroom kits just by using used coffee grounds from Pete's Coffee. And they thought, hey, you know, why can't we turn this into some kind of social venture? Um, so they used kind of recycled coffee grounds from Pete's and now from other places to create these organic and sustainable growing sets for people. And now, for example, they're in Whole Foods, they're in, you know, a number of kind of garden stores, um, which is just really cool to kind of see their progression from just an idea that they had from a class to what is now like a really, a really big thing. So that's one of them that I think is really cool. Um, That was back in 2009. Uh, One that's more recent, which I think was really cool, is a thing called Fight Film. So it's actually one of the students uh, who's currently at the Goldman School as part of this team, um, creating a video for incarcerated and very recently released incarcerated youth, telling them, you know, this is what you can do to get your life like back on like a kind of a regular track if you will just like you know to so it's like an an innovative approach to criminal justice through media and through art to say that you know there is a pathway because obviously as we all know the kind of prison pipeline is quite bleak for some people you know you and you exit juvenile hall you know you don't have any opportunities you get earmarked as you know someone who's been in the system and then you know there's almost a revolving door back into prison so it's trying to break that process and i think that's it was just really cool having watched the video and just seeing the passion of that of that project was really cool so these projects not only they they come up with the idea as you mentioned then they can receive funding but they actually continue this is like helping to build a project that will continue on right because you mentioned this one from 2009 so it's it's more than just a competition for this year it's like big ideas in general, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, We want to stress that the grant, if you will, is more a prize for going through the competition, putting together an innovative proposal, which has gone through extensive, you know, judge review, and that, you know, we wanted, that's the prize for going through the process and doing really well. But over 90% of Big Ideas competitors who win then go on to implement their projects, at least in the first year. So the amount of money that you receive is meant to be to put your project into implementation in the first year. And then hopefully that's kind of an ability to scale. And we also put people in touch with other funding sources like incubators and other like investors who have 
definitely shown interest in in some projects. I mean, for for example, one of our projects called Lean Genius, who came out of Big Ideas, is now sourced in excess of ten million dollars of funding. So we're like obviously over the moon for them. Wow, and who uh, who judges the competitions? Because it sounds like they're on pretty diverse topics. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a specific um, other GSR. Her name is Juno, who actually sources all of the judges and all of the mentors who are then put into specific categories for judging or mentorship. So we have a lot of um, like judge slash mentors, so people who judge in a category but also offer mentorship. And these people are mostly industry experts. So, for example, in global health, there are people that work in health policy, um, that work for kind of a health think tank or kind of an investor in kind of health technologies um, or an academic in the health field. So we get people who really have a lot of credibility and a lot of esteem in their own field to make sure that they can offer the best feedback to students and the most help. And so one of the reasons we're talking about this is obviously because the competition deadline is approaching uh, November 16th, right? That's right. So can you tell us a little bit about, one, how students can get involved in the competition side of things, but then also how people who don't want to compete but maybe just want to know more about the ideas that are coming out of this, how they can be involved, whether it's just you know learning more about the competition or any, anything. You go. Yes, absolutely. Um, so yeah, the, the competition, the first deadline, uh, our pre-proposal deadline is November 16th. So anyone out there listening who is thinking like, oh, this sounds really cool, it's a three-page pre-proposal to submit by November 16th uh, to formally be involved in the competition, which we highly encourage you to do so, even if your idea is in the most nascent stages, we just really encourage you to do so. Come and see us. We have our editing blitz on the 14th. Um, so just, you know, come and see us get something together and then be involved. But, you know, even if you don't want to, we ha- our website, bigideas.berkeley.edu, has all the resources for the competition, but also a whole list of really cool events, really cool resources that you can get involved with, you know, ideas to increase your understanding and foothold in the entrepreneurship space on the Berkeley campus. Uh, we just really highly encourage people to get involved. You know, if they're a little bit interested, if they're very interested, come and see us, come to some of our events, just get your get yourself uh, through the door. Put your face out there. And can you remind us again where they see you? Is that in the Blum Center? Yeah, that's right. In the Blum Center for Developing Economies near to Evans Hall and Sudatradai Hall. Okay. So students can go to the website. They can find more about how to compete. And they can submit their three-page proposal. They can meet with you beforehand to get ideas. And did you mention in that answer what uh, what more people more generally could do just to find out, maybe just even track the progress of the competition or to learn about some of the ideas that have made it through to the next round? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we regularly put updates onto our website um, about you know different events that are coming up and uh, different ways that you can stay in touch in the entrepreneurship space. I think the events is really the best way to really see how like things are progressing in terms of the competition and getting involved in the entrepreneurship space. Why do you think that big ideas is a good idea in and of itself? That's a great question. I certainly think it's a good idea. I think that in traditional business plan competitions, people come in with very formalized ideas and just, you know, say, okay, this is my business plan. This is my revenue model. Um, this is, you know, how I want to make money. This is how I'm going to go to market. And I think for some students and for some people, that's quite intimidating to be able to say, I don't have a business background. I don't know how to write a business plan. Okay, this is not for me. I think what Big Ideas offers is, from so many perspectives, a multidisciplinary approach to entrepreneurship. So people in psychology, people in engineering, people in biology, people in history – We have had 
students compete across all kinds of disciplines and also compete together in teams, which I think is really cool. So it's really offering a route for entrepreneurship and social impact for people that are not always traditionally business-minded. And I think just seeing students' passion for their own projects and the formation and growth of those projects throughout the year is something that's really inspiring to me and something that I love being a part of. Do you think that UC Berkeley and Berkeley students have what I what I'll say an obligation uh, to contribute to social well-being? I think obligation might be a little bit of a strong word, but I highly encourage people to think about the kind of impact that they want to see in the world, whether that be traditionally in a for-profit social enterprise or that be in a nonprofit. I mean, if that's something that's interesting to you, then fantastic. Um, I think that different people have their own passions and their own ideas of the kind of things that they want to do in their own life. But I think that sometimes some self-reflection and seeing kind of like, okay, what do I really want to get out of my own life or what kind of what do I want to contribute can sometimes be very enlightening. Okay. And as we uh, finish up here, I just want to ask, is there anything about public policy or about anything that you do that you'd like to tell the public about that they might just have never been exposed to that, you know, I mean, as I started off the show, I don't even really know what public policy is. So is there anything that you feel like the general public should know about what it is you study and why you're interested in it? I think that public policy to a lay person may seem like a rather opaque academic discipline, but I really encourage people that are interested in social impact, that are interested in all kinds of different policy areas like education, energy, international development, health, etc., to look into the idea because the skill set that you learn from it is so versatile and it's really cool. I actually really am very, very interested in it myself. So highly encourage people to look into it. And then in terms of big ideas, whatever you have in terms of your idea, however early stage, come and talk to us, come and see us, get involved, because why not? Okay, so November 16th is the first deadline. Uh, can you give us the website one more time? Yes, bigideas.berkeley.edu, and feel free to email us anytime at bigideas@berkeley.edu. And you can also come to the Blum Center and learn more about it. November 16th, first deadline, and then when will the final like announcements be made of the winner? So the first stage of the competition, the finalists will be notified in mid-late December. Then they go through the full proposal stage. They submit their 15-page pre-proposal in March, and then the the winners will be announced in mid-late April. Okay, so we can keep our eyes open for uh, all of the big ideas coming out of this year's competition. Definitely encourage you to do so. Okay, well, that's it for us here on The Graduates. My name is Tesla Munson. Today I've been speaking with Max Aronson, master's student in the Goldman School of Public Policy here at Berkeley. He's been telling us about his work in public policy on the international front and also his involvement in the Big Ideas competition, which is open to all Cal students and uh, other UC students as well. First deadline, November 16th. Check out bigideas.berkeley.edu. That's right. Thank you, Tesla. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Of course, of course. And the graduates will be back in two weeks with another episode. Until then, stay tuned. You're listening to KALX 